Welcome to the Gateworld podcast. You're listening to episode number 79 of the Gateworld podcast. My name is Darren. My name is David. And this is the show where two nerds get together and talk about Stargate. This week on the podcast, it's Stargate versus one of our other favorite shows, which is now becoming a franchise in its own right. Stargate versus Battlestar Galactica. Well, we have a new column on Gate World. What do you think about this? I, I pitched this to you kind of at the last minute because I just thought of it. We've done things in the past where we want to have a way for David and I to just sort of kick back and relax and talk because our news stories are admittedly, because of me, rather formal. And uh, so we tried to do things like letters to the editor and blogs. and Friday Five. You and I had columns, uh, editorial columns a few years back. You know, we have the podcast, but only a percentage of our readers listen to the podcast. So we're kicking off a new Friday column, and right now it's called For Crying Out Loud. (laughs) That's going to be a place for us to, you know, just answer your questions, do letters to the editor if you have stuff that we don't talk about on the podcast, or that we do talk about on the podcast, and and people think that maybe it needs a a wider audience. We can uh, engage some of those questions there. Some of them are hopefully going to be silly and funny, but there's also some serious questions out there about GateWorld and Stargate. And the way that we do things that I feel like I'd like to have some sort of venue to to go out and address some of the serious questions. Like, why do you guys allow so much, you know, bashing of of the show on your site? And from the other side, you know, why do you guys censor so much of our of our stuff when we want to? when we want to tell you what we think about SGU. We've done a number of different article and column combinations over the years, and and honestly, nothing really has seemed to have stuck. We, we tried the blog thing uh, for well over a year, and that was cool for a little while, but I think we, we missed the the right way to capitalize on it. And Darren did Friday Five very successfully, in my opinion, but it, it obviously takes a lot of effort. Uh, I've done the, uh, the screen capture uh, news article, you know, of the week, which is basically me turning a news story into another project that I'm working on, but to get the word out about it and to get eyeballs to it. Uh, now we're trying this one. You know, I, I'm convinced that there is a magic formula out there that where one of these will really start working. I mean, you did letters to the editor for a w- little while, and what was it, the briefing room, I think, as well? There's been a lot done. In yeah, this we did regard. the briefing room for a while, which was just like little one-sentence updates of, of little 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 news stories that were not worth writing a full story about or that we didn't have time to write a full story about. Honestly, I, next to Friday Five, I think that was one of the more successful ones yet. I think I think that there's uh, enough to to do that, and you've yeah. kind of transformed that into the um, into the uh, on the web on the section web. at the bottom. Which, if you're not careful, you can easily miss. I routinely miss this section at yeah, the bottom. That stuff gets overlooked um, a lot, unless you're subscribed to our RSS feed or or following us on Twitter. Those are easy to overlook because you know we we get. I basically classify news items that that I find on the web or that get sent in to us into one of two camps. This is significant enough to our readers that we should write a story on it. We should spend some time and do an article on this. Versus, ah, this is kind of of interest. We should make sure that people get a chance to look at it, but, but you know, we just want to post it in 10 seconds and we don't want to spend a half an hour writing about it. That latter category of, of news items has been, you know, ever since the site launched 10 years ago, it's it's been sort of a head-scratcher as to what to do with them. I also have a PropWorks uh, Stargate Auctions news story that goes out every week talking about the new hundred or so items that become available every Sunday night and expire every Sunday night on eBay. 
I'm working with PropWorks now. I'm in uh, L.A., and this gives me a chance to go in there and poke around at this stuff because I've handled it all myself, and I talk about the things that I'm looking forward to the most out of that week's auction. So I write the news story about those. We've gone through about four weeks of those auctions, so several hundred items. What Do you recall offhand what's gone for the most money so far? Yeah, the Jaffa armored costume has gone for like $2,700. Oh, nice. That's going to make somebody's Halloween. If they are about my size. <laughs> that That is me in that Jaffa costume. Daniel's stuff sells very good. You know, everyone wants a piece of Daniel because it's something that you can sit in your house. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's ancient um, or from from another world. A lot of his stuff is Egyptian, and his Egyptian stuff tends to go for pretty good. Um, but all of Daniel's stuff really goes for really well. It's it's things that you can that you can easily sit on a, a dresser or a or a, an end table in in your home, and it's something that Daniel had in his office for ten seasons. Yeah, you can screen match it time after time after time. And it's really cool. That's cool. So Daniel's, we 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 brought several dozen of Daniel's items back, and and they're they're performing very well. But then you got little things like this uh, 200th episode Starship pin, which I adore. As you can imagine, there are not very many of them. I think we have like four or five, and uh, it's doing well this week. So it's fun. It's fun to watch these things uh, get sold and and see how much they go for. See what people are uh, are interested in. If folks want to see what's being auctioned off this week, of course, there's a news story up at GateWorld.net. Or you could head over to StargateArtifacts.com. The main discussion. So this is uh, the second in our series of pitting Stargate, a show that we love so much and has given us so much, versus our other science fiction favorites. Last year, a few months ago, we did Stargate versus Star Trek. Obviously, Star Trek is a very different animal. Sort of started the whole... TV science fiction franchise phenomenon. Five series and... Six, if you include the animated series. Ten, eleven movies. Eleven movies. But Mm -hmm. uh, Battlestar is different. Battlestar uh, started as a TV series uh, around... uh, I'm going to get crucified for getting this wrong. 78, 79 was the first season. Then they they tried to do uh, sort of a relaunch of the show and did Galactica 1980, which... uh, I think there's a general consensus that that never happened. Please God, and uh, and then Battlestar got was brought back uh, just a few years ago and reimagined and reinvented and four seasons and direct to DVD movies and now we are four episodes into Caprica, the prequel series. Not to mention a feature film on the horizon. Yeah, and a new feature film uh, that's that's being done by X Men's Brian Singer. With Glenn Larson, the original creator of the show, that that uh, they're talking about having no connection to the to the Ron Moore TV series, but actually being a I don't know if it's going to be a, another sort of reboot, reimagining, or if it's actually going to be a continuation of the 1978 series. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, I I don't care for the original Battlestar at all. Really? I think it's, I think it's campy, hokey. I can't. Well, of course it is. But I can't stomach it. After I saw. Uh, all the new Battlestar that was available at the time, uh, I think in 2005, I, I went online to Amazon and bought the original Battlestar Galactica miniseries <laughs> to give it a shot. And uh, Oh, I can just imagine. I spent a month trying to get through the first two hours. I got through the first 45 minutes in that month, and I had to sell it back. I said, oh, this, my this goodness. Is, this, is a, this is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. Was it when they got to um, the, the casino planet? Yes, that, that's right. The... 
with the multiple eyes. Multiple I, eyes. And and that's mouths. about the time that I turned it off. That's right. Yeah. Well, that was like, that was Ron Moore's big criticism, and I think justifiably so when he looked at relaunching the series was. You just had genocide of a of a civilization spanning twelve worlds, and the first thing that you do is stop off at the casino planet, and uh, it's it was just it did not do justice to the very dark and serious nature, which obviously you know once once we get past nine eleven, we have a whole different way of of looking at that sort of subject matter. Mm-hmm. This is true, but yeah, this is our generational gap here. I grew up on. The original Battlestar Galactica. I was a little kid, you know, sitting on the living room floor in front of the TV, watching Starbuck and Apollo and their cool little Vipers and their ray guns and running around on planets. It was definitely hokey, and uh, I, I think when you look at, at things like you know Boxy the little kid and and Muffet the Daggett, the robot Daggett, um, it 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 is hokey and it doesn't stand the test of time quite as well as as even like the original. Star Trek series. I think most of those episodes stand the test of time. Far better. The series was, uh, hey, Star Wars is making money hand over fist. What do we have that science Find a way to capitalize can, on it. That we can put on television. So it was very much done to appeal to kids. So yeah. so the cute kid that we can relate to and, and the cute robot dog, that was what we loved when, when we were that age, when I was that age. It was, it was like uh, Buck Rogers. You watch Buck Rogers not because you're sexually attracted to Wilma, at that age, but because Tweaky is funny and cute. I have no idea who those two are. And then later, you get a little older, and it all becomes about Wilma and her skin-tight white uniform. Ah, okay. We should do that. Buck Ro- Stargate versus Buck Rogers. I don't know anything about Buck Rogers. <laughs> so let's jump forward a couple decades. Uh, when Stargate SG-1 moved to the Sci-Fi Channel, it was the, the network's highest-rated original series. Yes. It was killing in the numbers. Stargate Atlantis premiered in the summer of 2004 and set a new record. It was beating SG-1 in the Friday night numbers. And then, you know, Stargate's on top. Stargate's dominating two shows, two mm-hmm. top-ranked shows. And then in January of 05, this little show comes along called yes. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And, and uh... it, it rapidly unseated. Didn't, it didn't break the 3.2 Nielsen rating that the Atlantis premiere won. But week to week on Friday nights, man, those were the days. We had SG-1, Atlantis, and Battlestar all airing new episodes on Friday nights. People to this day still talk about that combination. Yeah, it was magic. I remember watching that night, Gemini, and then The Eye, and then, I think it was Gemini, and then 33. And you had been talking about it because the miniseries had been around for a year. It, mm-hmm. it had aired and then took a year break. And you had been talking about Battlestar Galactica. More than a year before that, like 18 months beforehand, you had started posting pictures, and you built a special subsite for it, and cautiously optimistic. I'd never heard you say that phrase so many times about mm-hmm. any other show. So I left the television on for some reason after uh, the eye had wrapped up, and I'm seeing these pilots in their cockpits, and they're Are all You weren't exhausted. even planning to watch it? I wasn't planning on watching it at even all. Even after my high recommendation? Uh, I don't care what you think. Oh, good. Had you seen the miniseries before 33? That's what I'm getting to. Oh, my gosh. Your horses. Oh, my word. These pilots are exhausted, and ships are jumping away, and it's like, oh, it stands with a fist. Look at that. It's Donnie Darko's mother uh-huh. and uh, and President Whitmore's wife. So I watched this episode, and I have to admit, it is really good TV. I don't understand all of it. At one point, I, 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 I started typing to Darren on the computer. I'm like, okay, I don't get it. 
the Asian chick is in the fleet and on the planet. What the hell is going on? And he says, she's a Cylon. I'm like, okay, so Cylons look like humans? And this is how I learned. At that moment, I learned Mm. Cylons look like humans, and there are multiple copies of human models. So I watched 33. I loved it. And I went back and watched the miniseries, like I tend to do everything, and got the whole Sharon arc spoiled because Darren had told me because I hadn't been planning on watching it. That was my ass-backwards entrance into Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> nice. Generally don't give shows the benefit of the doubt. You know, I watch them when I come around to watching them. So how would you describe your uh, your love affair over the course of... Four seasons, actually, I think took five years to air. But Five uh, years. Over the course of the five years, how would you describe your love affair with Battlestar? Uh, your, your Battlestar fandom compared to other shows that you watch? Battlestar just got better and better for me. So I was not yet 24, and, I mean, it, the show just got better and better. Uh, Pegasus and Resurrection Ship are my favorite episodes, so season two really stood out for me as, like, the best of the show. I thought I thought the visual effects for Resurrection Ship were just extraordinary, and I thought they kind of tapered off in seasons three and four. Hmm. I think they used different vendors or something. But Battlestar is just a show that I have followed religiously. And I think one of the things that a juxtaposition to Stargate is that Battlestar went in, whether or not how much they knew about it beforehand, they went in with the plans of a beginning, middle, and end. And when you approach that end, you begin to be, as a viewer, rewarded because there's all this payoff that's happening, this deliberate payoff. Whereas Stargate, which is an open-ended series with, with limitless possibilities, does not have that opportunity for payoff in that respect unless they build it in very specific arcs. Yeah, different kind of payoff. And uh, we have some voicemail on this that we'll get to in just a minute. But uh, that's a good a good kind of opening point. These These two shows, these two franchises... Uh, tell stories in a different way, and they tell stories over the long haul in a different way. Stargate has always been very deliberately episodic with an eye toward its own history and its own mythology, which is why I fell in love with SG-1, was because it was not sort of every episode is self-contained and we never go back and talk about what happened. You know, if an alien threatens us, we never go back and see payoff from that. Battlestar, on the other hand, was always from day one, it was arc-driven. So it was, you want to know what's happened the previous 10 or 20 episodes, and and they need to catch you up if you haven't seen it with the, the previously on. Because, you know, every episode, in the case of BSG, I would argue not every episode is important. But uh, but there's an arc. There's a bigger story with a beginning, a middle, and an end that they are getting to. Stargate did arcs. Uh, you know, they did, like, we'll bring in Anubis, and then he'll be our big bad, and we'll bring him up and rise him to power, and then he'll, he'll dominate the system lords, and then eventually we're going to take care of him, and then move on to the next thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, more episodic, I guess, is the best way to put it. SG-1 in Atlantis, if you missed an episode or two, you generally were okay. Because a lot of those episodes were, were, were intact, self-contained stories. So you could miss it, and you could, in some respects, kind of forget about the show for a little while and then come back to it later. With Battlestar, you couldn't miss it because of the nature of how they were telling the stories and the fact that they were setting up toward a very deliberate ending. You could not miss a beat because if you did, you were lost. And Lost is a good example. And Lost is a good example of that. I think the show that, that did it best, maybe even more than Lost... Uh, in some respects, in some seasons, Babylon 5, right? Babylon 5. J. Michael Straczynski, when he was pitching it to networks, he thought of a beginning and a middle and an end to a single story, a five-year story. He said it's going to be five years, and when it's over, who cares how good the ratings are, the story's over. 
so that's sort of the standard in terms of arc storytelling, storytelling over the course of several years. That's the standard that I hold shows like Battlestar Galactica 2, which I think is going to be the source of, of some of my criticisms that we'll get to uh, a little bit later on in the discussion. But let's play this voicemail from Jess. Hi, guys. This is Jess calling from Western New York. I've enjoyed your podcast for a while now and finally felt compelled to call in. I think it's interesting that you've chosen to pit Stargate against Battlestar Galactica because, in my mind, they're very different shows. It's hard to say who does what better because they each offer a very different type of viewing experience. Battlestar Galactica is a complex drama full of morally ambiguous characters. It used a mind-blowingly horrific scenario to explore the political and social issues of today, often giving the audience a change of perspective. The show continually made you think about what makes us human and the choices we make in all their shades of gray. Very rarely did it hand out easily digestible answers, instead forcing you to draw your own conclusions. Despite some fan issues with the last season and the finale, it was a powerful series that rose above people's preconceived notions about science fiction, and along with shows like The Wire and Lost will long remain an example of television drama at its best. The Stargate franchise, on the other hand, has typically offered up a pure escapist sci-fi pleasure. Moral complexity is typically kept to a minimum, and although at times the show has broached moral issues, it usually backs away from really exploring them in any depth. And while many of the SG-1 and Atlantis characters will always hold a special place in my heart, they weren't overly complex and tended to stay the same over the years, despite experiencing events that should have resulted in lasting personality changes. It will be interesting to see if this trend continues in Stargate Universe. It might be interesting to do another comparison once that series has more episodes under its belt. One area in which I will give the edge to the Stargate franchise is humor. Battlestar Galactica made me feel all kinds of emotions, but it rarely made me laugh. So, David, what do you think of, of the idea of Stargate versus Battlestar? Stargate does humor better, and it's generally... It's episodic. It's it's more kind of escapist fun. It's it's kind of popcorn fare that can be serious at times. Episodes like Abyss, but uh, generally it's just, it's kind of more more light hearted versus Battlestar has has obviously been called a darker show and a and a character drama. In terms of SG One Atlantis, I always viewed Stargate as very much an escapist fun. Hmm. Stargate definitely wins on the humor front, hands down. Oh yeah. Does Battlestar do humor at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a Battlestar Galactica joke? It's not so much like Jack O'Neill saying things like, oh, if only there were two Samantha Carters, you know? They're not quips. It's Gata and Baltar in the stalls next to each other, and Baltar saying, so how's it going over there? <laughs> You've got characters who delivered much more humor than others. You had humorous episodes like Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Whether or not she's a Cylon, she's nothing but trouble. You had actors who could deliver that, but Stargate deliberately had more humor than that it was i mean you at one point called sg1 a dramedy did i yes you did i don't well, think that sg1 is 50 percent comedy but with richard dean anderson in fine form i think it, it certainly was funny on a very regular basis absolutely there are two the the hard thing about this podcast is that they, these are two very different types of shows and a lot of it is comparing apples to oranges um, but the, the the core of it, the nucleus of it, is our love of both shows, and we're trying to find the common ground, the dissonance, and the consonance of both of these programs. Yeah. So, but that's definitely one of them. The humor is uh, very different. I mean, one of them is you know a little bit tongue in cheek, and okay, a, a huge race of oppressive forces have us under their boot, and what what is the humorous circumstance out out of that comes out of this? There are a couple of them. 
and the beats are in there. Yeah. But in terms of the overall show, it's a lot darker. I, I think um, I think David Hewlett put it best. That's not a happy show. He was talking <laughs> about Battlestar, and David Hewlett was a big Battlestar fan. Yeah, because of the nature of the show, I never watched it expecting to get a chuckle out of it. I never mm-hmm. watched it expecting that my spirits would be lifted unless it was the result of, you know, our heroes have banded together and have accomplished this great victory. I'm looking at the episode guide on our sister site, scifistream.com slash galactica right now. And the episode I'm thinking of is towards the end of season one, The Hand of God. And this is where, where we're low on fuel and uh, we have this, this uh, big attack that Kara helps to plan. Uh, launched on on a Cylon mining base, and there's just this big celebration at the end of it, and you know, Kara and President Roslin hug each other, and uh, mm-hmm. that that's sort of a big emotional victory. It was just uh, you know the sort of of uplift that the show did provide sometimes, but I never went to it expecting that it was it was going to make me smile or chuckle. It was, it was a dark show, and some especially in the later seasons. Boy, seasons three and four. Um, four especially I found really dark and there's just a lot of a lot of crap happening in a good way. It's interesting because of the difference in the way that these two shows tell stories that you do have an end point for a show like Battlestar and so it gets a, a four season run and I don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty widely regarded as a, as a very successful show. I mean nobody was complaining about it being quote unquote cancelled because the, the producers of the show decided okay we are ending it now. We, it feels like the story has naturally progressed to this ending point. Mm-hmm. Four is going to be it. But, uh, you know, you look at four seasons, and, and the first one was, was uh, kind of a half season, 13 episodes mm-hmm. or so, versus the long-term success of something like SG-1. Even, even aside from Atlantis and Universe, just look at SG-1 ran for 214 episodes, 10 years. But in the process of that, the Ori storyline, in my opinion, was cut short. I wanted the Ori story arc to go for at least three more years. And it yep. was cut short. Well, even after 10 years, we felt like it was cut short. We felt like it was canceled prematurely. No, not, not in that respect. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the Ori arc. The Gould arc for the first eight seasons was, was very well resolved, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that was fulfilled on its own momentum. But now you've got Atlantis, where you look at the last episode, which is the 100th episode, which is the, the series finale and, and the season finale, and it's rush, 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 rush to the end, and it's not fulfilling. Because the Wraith have yet to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. There is so much that re- the new evil Asgard, which I loved, and now when are we ever going to see that get resolved? Yeah. Because it is not a, a story arc, per se, that has a very specific structure built in from the beginning behind the scenes, we're left with all these unanswered questions. And that's unfair to the audience. Even just last week, we talked about the fact that some of these storylines are deliberately left open-ended, like in Atlanta Season 2, Ford. We don't get a definitive death for Ford's character. We get a speculation about, well, we saw the ship blow up, we think he was on it, but we're not sure. We never saw it. He could still be out there somewhere. Uh, And the writers leave those open-ended threads in case the opportunity comes up where they have a good idea and, Mm. uh, and they want to bring the character back and do something else. The same thing with Weir. Weir was killed off, and then suddenly this uh, replicator Weir shows up at the end of Be All My Sins Remembered, and, and they bring her back uh, with a different actress in season five and Ghost in the Machine. Um, that's the way that the Stargate writing team works. They, they for the most part, they like to leave breadcrumbs uh, so that they can go back and pick up something and do a little bit more with it. Um, they introduce the evil Asgard in, in the mid-season two-parter of season five in Atlantis, 
And then they set it aside. They didn't deal with it for the rest of the season because they wanted to come back to it later and push it a little bit farther down down the, the road. But I, And I can only speak for myself as a viewer. I am only going to allow myself to get so close to those kind of story arcs yeah. because I know that there's a decent likelihood that those arcs won't be re- resolved. So I'm not going to be as emotionally invested in them because yeah. there is not, not a sure distinct that game off. plan that they're going to be resolved. Yeah. Because I'm so sick and tired of being burned by shows that are canceled and by stories that don't complete. Uh, when it comes to shows like Battlestar, which specifically say this is a show that's going to have a beginning and middle and end, I am much more willing to be emotionally invested in them, far greater than any other show, because I know that the likelihood of them succeeding in revealing the entire show is much greater. And because they have a beginning and middle and end, they delve deeper into the characters that any other show would not necessarily want to do because, oh, you know, we want to run for 10 seasons and we don't want to blow it all, so let's hold off, and then we get canceled. Yeah, I, I like both both kinds of storytelling. Hi, Darren. Hi, David. This is Jeff, a.k.a. Jeff O'Connor from the Gate World Forums, and I'm calling from St. Petersburg, Florida. Stargate SG-1 and Battlestar Galactica are my two favorite science fiction series of all time, so the comparison couldn't be better for me to evaluate. And while I'm not the fan of SGA and Universe that I am for SG-1, I do enjoy the two shows a fair bit. Same with Caprica, for that matter. From a surface perspective, Stargate and BSG are very different entities. Stargate, especially before SGU started its run, has always maintained what I would consider a lighter take on the world of science fiction. That hasn't stopped it from doing dark, gritty storytelling, as seen in episodes like Abyss, for example. But as a whole, it's more of a popcorn romp with pleasantly witty writing and some deep sci-fi staple themes interlaced. I like it that way. Stargate nails contemporary characterization when using dialogue exchanges, especially from the third or fourth season of SG-1 onward. By that time, the writers really had a solid understanding of what they'd created, and it's lovely. Battlestar Galactica is a much shorter, more focused journey through a narrower band of instances that's seen through the eyes of a cast which doesn't expand quite as much as Stargate's and it has a set beginning and a firm ending. It dances with raw, passionate matters every episode and offers an uncompromising, debatably more believable cast, despite a much less recognizable universe. I would say BSG is the superior of the two in regard to mercilessly grabbing its audience's heartstrings with social, political commentary and stunning character fates. On the other hand, Stargate has proven for over 15 seasons and counting that you don't necessarily need to do that kind of a show on a weekly basis to rope your viewers into your world. SG-1 especially was a variety show. It had its long-running arcs involving evil Goa'uld and later Ori, and P-90s besting Jaffa chest plates, and spiders that looked like Legos ripping through the universe. But you never quite knew what you were going to get with each and every episode. Stargate does variety like no other sci-fi series out there, in my humblest of opinions, of course. It has humor, it has style, drama, action, adventure, and it's all yours when you start watching. Ultimately, Battlestar Galactica is a very steady sailing ship, which while not all devoid of humor or anything like that, really set out from square one to be a drama and succeeded. Stargate set out to be a plethora of things and succeeded. I can't really say for certain which franchise holds a bitter chunk of my heart, but I can say that both will always be treasured. I like the kind of show that that structures its stories in a way that it's self-referential and it has story arcs, um, but at the same time, it it can go on, potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, forever, indefinitely, uh, as long as the market can bear it. Um, and then I love shows like Babylon 5 and Battlestar and Lost that have an endpoint. And the mm-hmm. best thing that ever happened to Lost was in season three when the network said, okay, we're going to go through season six. We have exactly this many number of episodes left, and then that's the end, and the writers can write toward that endpoint. 
Because then you know that everything that you've invested yourself in is going to be fulfilled. Unless, you know, you've got shows where the writers like to give the audience the middle finger, like the ending with Seinfeld or the ending with The Sopranos. <laughs> and the writers like are literally those? giving the audience the middle finger in that and saying, you know what, I screw you, know. we don't care. There is an argument to be made for the way The Sopranos uh, ending was done. Uh, I think it's interesting. I never watched the show, but I was I was interested in how it ended. The Seinfeld ending, I, I don't think it was a middle finger. I don't think it was deliberate. I think it was just bad. So one of the results of this uh, is in Stargate, the high points. The high points are, are all over the place. There are episodes that in season three that I just love, and there's episodes in season six and in season ten. I think Stargate's high points are all over the place. Um, Battlestar, as a, as a single story arc with a beginning, a middle, and an end, sort of, I think, peaked and and has a high point or two, and then uh, went downhill. And, and obviously this is not a Battlestar podcast, so we don't want to talk too much exclusively about the way the show ended. But where would you put the the peak of the story? Uh, Pegasus and Resurrection Ship. And my favorite episodes are Resurrection Ship and, uh, and Pegasus in the middle of season two. They are your favorites. They are my favorites, and then I think the show slumped. They started doing episodic stuff, like Black Market and Sacrifice. Yes. Uh, didn't work, but I think I think the show came back in season three, and I love Exodus. I love sort yes. of the... There's a slow uh, opening couple of episodes arcing up, and then you get Exodus uh, and the Flea from mm-hmm. New Caprica, and I think those are... Mm-hmm. Exodus Part 2 is fantastic. And those episodes resonate throughout that season and in some ways throughout the rest of the show. It morphs the characters in many distinguishable ways, and not the least of which is Ty's eye uh, yeah. and Ellen. Yeah, that's um, continually visible. Yep. Reminder. So. so there are really, really strong payoffs when you do that kind of thing. It's taking risks. You know, it, it doesn't always work. Uh, and uh, in this case, it definitely did for them. Stargate has done some pretty cool arcs as well, though. I mean, in... In SG-1, you, have, you obviously have there for the grace of God in politics and within the serpent's grasp and serpent's lair. You know, yeah. That is a very distinguishable arc. Um, and Universe is obviously going for much more of an arc-based series where you have pockets of shows that you just can't pull one out and, and watch the rest. Yeah, it's, it's arc-based, but you know, there are some episodes that are kind of standalone. You know, Water is kind of standalone. But then I think there are going to be others that are just tied together so tightly that it's like, you know, especially Stargate's done this around the mid-season two-parter and the and the finale and premiere, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. There are not just two-parters that go together, but then there's like the one before and the one right after. So you get uh, Exodus and then season five of SG-1 starts with enemies, but then you've got to watch Threshold to see what happens to Teal. I think you were the one who told me that that Ron Moore and the writers really came up with the plan of of the whole concept of the final five Cylons and and everything leading up to to what goes on through the second half of season three and all of season four. That it was kind of like the the beginning of season three that they they came up with the idea of doing that, and that sort of became the core mythology of the show. It wasn't there in season one, right? It wasn't deliberate, and there are definite times in the show where. You can tell that they've they've switched gears on certain characters, like Head Six, Angel Six, or whatever you want to call her. Up until Downloaded in Season 2, you've got a character in, a in Head Six, in Angel Six, exactly. You've got a character in her who gets information and she's surprised. Like she, she comes upon Gina on board the Pegasus and she can't and she starts crying. She can't believe what she's seeing. 
And then when Downloaded comes along, it's clear that they've switched gears on exactly what she is. And now she's this omniscient being. Hmm. And and her counter, her Baltar, head Baltar counterpart, is this omniscient being who can, who can tell the the characters do this so that this will happen and do this so that this will happen. And they no longer are surprised by anything. Uh, that's very obvious. Um, but I think overall the show's mythology remains really strongly intact. Aside from those little details that shows like uh, obviously like lost, you know, can, are, are much better at watching out for. Yeah. The little details don't bother me so much. And I do think that, that it holds together rather well. I think it's, it's still a strong show. It's still, uh, one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years. Uh, the finale is a disappointment. I guess... Okay, I'm going to give you two things here. I think we may have even on this podcast talked about the Battlestar finale. But um, the two things after however many months it's been, almost a year now, since the Battlestar finale that stick out, is is I was really disappointed with Cavill's ending. Mm-hmm. The way that he just commits suicide. Uh, it seems so out of character. But more so... As a fan of the original Battlestar and the the light aliens, you know the the third party floating around the ship of lights, I was really hoping that that was going to become a part of this show. And when uh, you know when Kara gets killed off for a couple episodes and then comes back, her ship is perfect, and the characters go out of the way to say, "Why is the ship perfect?" And they never have any intention of resolving those questions. Yeah, I really thought that that we were doing ship of lights aliens. And and I resented the fact that they did it in Daybreak, the series finale, but they didn't... Uh, I mean, I don't expect the show to connect all the dots for me, but I would have liked to actually see the race, see some conversation, even if it was a bit of a deus ex machina, rather than, than have the conversation be, there's a third party. We all know there's a third party at work. The viewer's never seen the third party. We've never talked about the third party before, but we all know there's a third party at work. Yeah, Baltar's sermon in the CIC. Boy, it's tough to do Stargate versus Battlestar because Battlestar is such a different show. We can either talk about one or we can talk about the other, it seems. but uh, uh, Arc-based. Yeah. One, one is yeah. arc-based and one is not. So I guess I guess a uh, more interesting comparison now for 2010 is Stargate Universe, which has gone... Uh, it's a darker Stargate. It's, it's a character drama Stargate. It's a, more of an arc-based Stargate. Are we, are we trying to do a Stargate version of Battlestar Galactica? It sure seems that uh, the executives at Sci-Fi Channel definitely are. Uh, I think they've been pretty upfront about that. That that's what they want the show to be? They've intended Stargate Universe to be uh, Sci-Fi Channel's space opera replacement for Battlestar Galactica. Um, and if I'm Brad and Rob, I, you know, I, I don't know how I'd feel about that because you know, my show helped build uh, Sci-Fi into a top ten cable network. And Battlestar comes along and you know, it gets all the... It gets all the critical acclaim, mm-hmm. and then the third incarnation of my show, the executives come to me and say, yeah, we want you to make your next show like this one. Yeah, and I don't know that that's the way that it happened. But it certainly feels that way. In the concept for SGU, who knows how much of it was, was uh, coming from sci-fi and saying, saying it should be more like Battlestar uh, versus from the creators. The creators have obviously said, you know, we've, we've done over 300 hours of this kind of storytelling, and creatively we want to do something different. So uh, it it doesn't surprise me that they're looking at at some quote unquote darker storytelling, grittier storytelling on on TV. Um, we know that they weren't looking at Battlestar exclusively. They were looking at the mm-hmm. Shield, and they were looking mm-hmm. at, at Firefly, trying to to find a, a grittier take on Stargate. I'd like to say this right here and now. A lot of fans say that Stargate has, you know, 
become what Battlestar Galactica was, and they're trying to copy Battlestar Galactica intentionally. I don't feel that at all. Uh, Stargate Universe, in my opinion, is its very own show. It has its own timbre. It has its own melodies. It has its own. It has its own quirks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the spirit of Battlestar, it has a lot. I, I mean, the, there's only so many ways that it can work, and some things are going to to work out like Battlestar worked out. Some things are going to feel that way, and that is the case. The shaky hand cam people attribute to Battlestar all the time, and Battlestar did not invent the the shaky hand cam. And they're they're not the only ones who are using it now. I mean, I've been watching Glee. Glee uses the shaky hand cam when they're when they're doing okay. Now this shot is from the perspective of this character. Mm-hmm. They do they do a shakier hand cam versus just steady. You know, Lost. I was rewatching Lost, and years ago, Lost was was doing that stuff. Yeah, I, I think people just don't notice it un- unless they're being really critical of it. Yeah. Well, Ron and David deliberately talked about in a lot of uh, special features how they were using that style and how it was they were saying that yeah it's it's much more reality based that way and you get the feel that it's actually happening and and they're just drinking their own kool-aid about the quality of it and so that's that's been used against them a lot i think because of that both of these franchises you and i have watched and adored and loved they're not cut from the same cloth some elements of the shows overlap more than others Mm -hmm. stargate universe is a much more mature show and it has similarities, but that's all they are. They're similarities. They are not copying Battlestar Galactica's success. They are not. I don't know what the network may be saying to them to do this more like this other show, but that is not the vibe that I am getting. It is. It is its very own unique show. Uh, in terms of Stargate Universe versus the other two um, series that came, be- Stargate series that came before it, it definitely seems to me. Like they're paying much, much more close attention to the more finite elements of each episode and deliberately making an effort to reuse them so that this is a show. And I told Joe, Joe Goldsmith this earlier this week when I, when I was just chatting with him. This is a show that demands that you watch it and not just have it on in the background while you're, while you're mm-hmm. playing poker on Friday night. Mm-hmm. This is a show that demands that you pay attention to it. Otherwise, you are not going to get it. Otherwise, you're going to miss something. Yeah. And Atlantis, you could watch, you could have it on in the background, and you could get that, you know, the Wraith Hive ship was was blown up in the end, and that wasn't the case with every episode, but a lot of episodes, that's really what it was. It was a much more lighthearted action-adventure show with good characters. Right around the time that SG was premiering in October, there was a website, I don't recall who published the article, uh, but it basically said, you know, all the, the critics of SGU were comparing it to shows like Battlestar and saying, oh, it's... They're just trying to do the Stargate version of Battlestar, you know. It's edgier uh, and grittier. Stargate Galactica or something like that. And uh, this this article pointed out the fact that, you know, it's it's actually really a good thing when your show is being compared to great shows. And a lot of people out there didn't care for Battlestar, but Battlestar was a great show. Lost is a great show. And that's the kind of stuff that, that SGU has been compared to. And mm-hmm. that's that's only a good thing. I think you know. Remember, before you and I ever saw a frame of Stargate Universe, uh, the last couple seasons of of Atlantis, we were we were sort of getting tired of of the same formula, and we were saying, you know, we really like Atlantis. This is a fun show to watch. We loved SG One, but we're kind of ready for the next show whenever it comes along. We're ready for the and next, show to, the next to show to be something different. different. Take to be a different yes. take on Stargate. To you know, I think that that. As much as the action adventure has been fun for for twelve years, I'd really like to see a version of Stargate that was kind of a character, 
drama. a little bit a little bit slower a little bit slower a little bit more arc that's exactly what we got from Brad and Rob and the guys uh, in the writers room yeah uh, and you know criticize the show for for the ten episodes that have aired so far and and what you haven't liked about it but and and do all the comparisons that you went to Battlestar but but storytelling wise they did drift a little bit more toward the Battlestar end of the genre spectrum and uh, and I love it I think it's it's exactly what Stargate needed I completely agree it is a good show you have to judge it by what it is rather than what it's not in my opinion and that's what seems to be a lot of the criticism around it people are judging it for what it's not yeah and I'm seeing a lot of criticisms of SGU from people who didn't like Battlestar it seems like if you liked Battlestar you're much more prone to like SGU but that's a, that's a good observation that people are criticizing it for what it's not so, Stargate versus Battlestar Galactica. Can we even call this one apples and oranges? Apples and, and turnips. I mean, it's just they're just so different. But in some respects, I mean, they're they're very similar. You know, great characters. Characters are the core of both of these shows. You know, without good characters, the rest of it doesn't matter. We have a couple more bits of listener mail to get to. These are late responses to our Stargate Atlantis Season 2 show from last week. Hey, Gate World. This is Nathaniel from Atlanta. My favorite episode from Season 2 of Atlantis is Critical Mass. I love it because it's what I see as the first major crossover episode for Stargate once they got both franchises running. It's all about the trust and the Goa'uld, and yet it's an Atlantis episode. And I really enjoyed seeing Landry and a few other SGC characters, along with actually seeing glowy eyes and a Goa'uld in the city of Atlantis and furthering the trust storyline. I think it's a perfect episode for people who are genuine Stargate franchise fans. And I gotta say, Taylor singing, which could have come off extremely cheesy, turned out to be amazing. Hi, this is Jeff O'Connor from the Gate World Forums. The second season of Stargate Atlantis brought us some fun new thrills, the introduction of an antagonist who would go on to become the most identifiable singular nemesis the series probably ever had, and above all else, the addition of hot-tempered alien badass Roman Dex to the cast, and the gradual departure of the wide-eyed young Aiden Ford. This little swap remains a bit of a hotly controversial topic for some fans to this day. For all this hoopla, though, it's still quite possibly my least favorite season, so narrowing down the episodes on the road to best of the year wasn't really that difficult for me. I'll spare you a list for brevity's sake, but ultimately I thought the best episode overall was probably The Hive. Darren, a lot of the time your ratings for an episode coincide with mine, but once in a while I vehemently disagree with you. I'd give The Hive three and a half stars easily. It had some great character moments. I love the bit with Roman's daggers, and John's declaration of the war with the clowns has gone down as one of the most beloved little monologues in franchise history. But above all else, the incredibly bittersweet deal with Florg is what makes this episode, while a bit painful to watch, nevertheless amazing for me. I liked his character a lot, and to this day I daydream possibilities involving him showing up again, somehow, somewhere. The one thing I find jarring is John's lying at the end of the episode about believing Ford was possibly still out there. It's nice, but knowing the writers used it as a backdoor, which never really actually opened, is the kind of thing I don't like about SGA sometimes. Thanks, everybody, who called in this week. Here's this week's listener question. We have a very exciting show coming up. Uh, We're talking next week on March 3rd about women in Stargate, and we're bringing on a couple of very special guests. Who are our special guests? Louisa Robison. You may remember her from our uh, fanfic discussion from a few months back. 
are going to be bringing her back, and Miss Tammy Ferraris. The two ladies who have been featured on our 78 previous episodes are going to return and discuss women in Stargate. And I get to moderate since I'm stateside. Darren's going to be Excellent. taking the week off next week, and uh, I am going to be moderating these two ladies as they carry the ball in the discussion. It's going to be really interesting. You're going to have fun, and I'm going to really have fun listening to this. It's a serious topic, and I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of stuff to draw from, from SGU and SGA and SG1. The role of women in Stargate, how women have been portrayed. So this week's listener question, we want to hear from you and get your thoughts in that conversation as well. Yes, do add yourself into the fray. So the question is, what do you think of the Stargate franchise's portrayal of women? Which character has been a strong representation of women, and which, if any, do you think has come up short? Please keep your comments thoughtful. I have never, I think, come across a single message that I have said, you know, this is this is inappropriate. This is disrespectful of an actress or an actor or, or, or a person involved with the show, and we can't include it. But that's a very big question, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's open to a lot of criticism, and keep your criticisms thoughtful. Yeah, keep it thoughtful and respectful. We want to remember that there are actresses behind these roles and that there are writers behind these characters. So... Should be a good discussion. If you want to call in and add your thoughts, do so at 951-262-1647. Long distance rates do apply, so you are more than welcome to use your computer to record an MP3 or a WAV file and send it to webmaster at gateworld.net. That'll be our March 3rd show next week, and then we'll come back to Stargate Atlantis on March 10th and talk about Season 3. And then our topic coming up on March 17th is Stargate Universe and anti-heroes. One of the criticisms of SGU uh, that's been leveled is that that none of these characters, or most of these characters, are not really likable because they're not heroic. Especially when you look at the end of Justice, and and as I've said on the show, Colonel Young has been my favorite character so far, but he does a a distasteful thing at the end of of Justice. Mm -hmm. So SGU and anti-heroes, do you uh, watch a show because you expect them to do... uh, Always do the right thing. Always make the right choices. So thanks for tuning in. That's everything we've got this week. You can call us on the hotline. That number, once again, is 951-262-1647. You can also find it over at GateWorld if you want to see links to anything that we talked about today. Just look for the episode 79 show notes on the website. And always you can respond and chat about the show in the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld forum. Good deal. Yeah. You have fun next week, okay? I sure will, okay? I'll be around. All right. If you need anything. I don't know. With with these two, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I made a stretcher. From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And we'll see you next week for more of the GateWorld Podcast. <laughs>